You know, I love rock and roll. Put another dime in the jukebox, baby. Happy birthday, Joan Jett. Joan is the eternal godmother of rock and roll. She is amazing. She is essential. I got to see her this month. It was phenomenal. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And then last night, I saw a living legend. For the second time this year, Mr. Buddy Guy. This is probably his final tour. He has an album coming out at the end of the month. Um, He had a really great opening act um, that opened for him. And I'll talk more about her later on. But, oh, God. I, I... at first, I, I, w- I was unfamiliar with Crest Theater, and then I realized, wait a minute, I've been here before. I could have sworn that my cousin took me there in 2008 to see Milk, where Sean, Plan- Sean Penn played Harvey Milk, won the Oscar. Amazing film. Uh, of course, the Twinkie defense, you know, uh, Josh uh, Roland played uh, Tan White, and we know what happened there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's been a fun-filled night. Unfortunately, I woke up not feeling very well. That's called allergies. At first, at first I thought it was COVID, and I thought, oh, jeez, here we go. But uh, thankfully, it wasn't. Huh? It is the equinox, so go and enjoy yourselves and pour a little water and uh, feed the birds. Toppins a bag. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I still haven't watched Downtown Abbey. I guess I will tomorrow or Saturday <laughs> whenever I have time. I rented it through iTunes. And so, yeah, you know. But uh, Buddy Guy in, in concert, what can I say? You, This is a film podcast and a music podcast. And the way I learned about Buddy Guy was watching Festival Express, which came out in 2003. And it's and it, at first it was this thought to be lost film from 1970. Flying Burrito Brothers, The Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, the band, Buddy Guy, just to name a few. All right, traveling throughout Canada and performing. So that's how I, I and Buddy Guy, Buddy Guy has a very distinct voice, not just a singing voice. But a speaking voice. And so I thought, okay, who's that? Who's that? And then I learned more about him. And I went, oh, okay. And then um, in 2005, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2012, he, was, he got the Kennedy Center honor. He is one of the last. I mean, you think of Ly- Lydon Hopkins, Howlin' Wolf, B.B. King, Muddy Waters, Junior Wells. Buddy Guy is the last man standing from that group and thankfully there are new blues musicians coming into the forefront because you gotta you gotta keep it alive so the fact that a film got me into buddy guy because then it was like oh and then another film i remember being a teenager and watching love jones such an amazing you know it was a rom-com lorenz tate nia long and there is a song that that's probably the first time I ever heard Buddy Guy where he sang a cover of It Feels Like Rain. And I thought, whoa. And that kind of stayed with me. It was a duet between him and Bonnie Raitt. So, um, yeah. 
It's a Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Films. Films and music, they go together. <laughs> they really, truly do. And this is an essential moment. So to be able to see Buddy Guy for the second time this year, probably the last time. Who knows? Who knows? You know? He's 86. He's not 96. So, but yeah. I, I and and I got to see him up close, so I thought, all right, the Crest is such a great theater, legendary theater in Sacramento, California. I know that they're going to do like a Clerks three Q and A with Kevin Smith, October first. I'm not going to be able to go to that, but that looks fun. That looks essential. And I was telling some friends we were talking about Clerks because the first time I watched Clerks was in college, and how. Kevin Smith really put it together and financed the film, shot the film during the day at the convenience store that he worked at. I think they shot it during at night. And it's a legendary film. And so those 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 are the moments that intrigue me is these independents, you know, um, like the Cassavetes and um, uh, what is it? Uh, Van Peebles and uh, Robert Downey Sr., Putney Swope, hello. These, these are true independent artists. And in the 1920s and 30s, there were three movie stars, Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford and Charlie Chaplin, who started United Artists to finance their own projects. United Artists is still going strong today. I think Tom Cruise acquired it a couple of years ago. And so... Because when you're a filmmaker or you're an art, if you're a musician or a filmmaker, uh, your artistic integrity is based on whether you get final cut and the studio doesn't touch it. The same could be said about an artist, a recording artist. An example of that is Prince. And I've talked about Prince many times on this podcast and how Prince, he didn't really feel free until he owned his own master's. Something that Ray Charles stipulated in his contract with Atlantic Records in the early days. Because that was unheard of to own your own masters. And there's a reason for that. Because you own the song. You've worked on it with your musicians. And you own it. Not the recording studio. Or not the record label. And so that's what happened to Prince. Was They put a price tag on the name that his mother gave him. Prince Rogers Nelson and so that's why he went by the symbol and it freed him and then finally he got to a deal where he was able to go he was able to reclaim his name that's that's a sad thing that a record label or a movie studio can put a price tag on something that you've created and so I always give credit where credit is due to those independent filmmakers and independent musicians and we're gonna go all the way back to our birthday girl Joan Jett you know Joan Jett after the runaways to quote her nobody wanted to touch her nobody they didn't want to touch a girl with a guitar and even Jimi Hendrix said that women playing guitar it will be seen like aliens from Mars and so her and uh, Kenny Laguna started Blackheart Records and sold CDs or vinyl out of their out of the and cassettes out of the trunk of their car, and then Blackheart Records. I think it was later acquired by another uh, um, 
company, I think a San Francisco company, I'm not sure. And, you know, that that really is the story right there is the artistic integrity of Joan Jett. I mean, you look at those songs. The sad thing is nobody wanted a woman on guitar, but she was very confident in herself to follow that through. And so I've always loved her. And it kind of bothered me at the Motley Crew shit show that not a lot of people, they all waited to show up for Motley. They didn't, you know, there was, some, there was a good chunk of people there for Joan Jett. And then I've known people who talk shit on Joan Jett. Oh, because she's political. And well, you know what? She has a right to be political. In fact, during um, the wars that started in 2002, 2003, um, or, you know, Afghanistan and... Um, all of that she played for the troops so she's allowed to be political for in my opinion if she played for the troops because she you know she she honored them by going to play for them they loved Joan Jett how can you not love Joan Jett and I know people who don't like Joan Jett so what the what the fuck's your problem you know I, I get impassioned when I when I meet people who don't like her, and it's like, why? She's a musician. She is authentic and definitive. I mean, you think of those songs, Do You Want to Touch? I, I always think it's funny when she says in that documentary, Nobody Wanted to Touch Me, and then later she did that song, Do You Want to Touch Me There? Um, rock, uh, I love rock and roll, bad reputation, I hate myself for loving you, crimson and clover. My favorite was uh, riding with James Dean. I was like, whoa. So Joan Jett is fully aware of her gifts, of her talents, of her, her place in rock and roll. And in 2014, a year before she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... Joan Jett joined Nirvana on stage. And this was a beautiful thing. Nirvana were going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Kurt Cobain, you know, come on. He's been gone since 1994. So who's going to perform those songs with the surviving members of Nirvana? Pat Smear, Dave Grohl, and uh, uh, Chris Novoselic. Well, Joan Jett sang Smell, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um... The bassist from Sonic Youth um, sang uh, Aneurysm. Her name, I love, oh, I love her, but her name, I can't, I can't. Or let me ask Siri. Hey, Siri, who is the bassist for the band Sonic Youth? Let's see if Siri knows. Hey, Siri, who is the bassist for the band Sonic Youth? Kim Gordon. Oh, oh, see the power of Siri right there. And then Lord, she did all apologies. And then at that show, that's how I discovered St. Vincent. Annie Clark of St. Vincent did Lithium. So it was all these female artists doing Nirvana songs. But for Joan Jett to kick it off, she really laid it in with Smells Like Teen Spirit. She made it her own. Not <coughs> very, you know. People have tried to cover Smells Like Teen Spirit, but the fact that she got to sing it with the remain the surviving members of Nirvana, I mean, come on. And she really, uh, it's, it's Joan Jett. 
Whenever I've seen her on a program, especially the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she she is the true authentic, authenticity of rock and roll. Like they were honoring the ventures and she did bits and pieces and um she she really and you know, I, I've seen her in so many documentaries. She was talking about Lemmy Kilmeister. That's the thing. If you don't like Joan Jett, but you like Lemmy, think about that. Lemmy loved Joan Jett. Lemmy loved authenticity. He didn't like bullshit. So that says something about Lemmy's personality. So think about that, that he's deputizing Joan Jett. And then Joan Jett went on to produce Bikini Kill, Rebel Girl. In fact... When she came out on stage in San Francisco, when I saw her, the moment I heard Bikini Kill, I went, wait a minute. Does that mean Joan Jett's coming out? Because I knew the story. Because there's a really great documentary. All these documentaries that you can watch, you can stream them, you can download them, you can buy them. It's called The Punk Singer. And it's about Kathleen Hanna and her story from Bikini Kill and the, and the, the Riot Girl movement and all these alternative artists. And... Uh, Joan Jett called her one day and she didn't think it was Joan Jett. And she says, this isn't really, you know, she, she thought she thought she was, she was kidding around with her. She thought she was joking. And she kept saying, you know, this really, this really isn't funny anymore. And she says to her, okay, if this is really Joan Jett, then what are you wearing on the cover of this? And she said, in terms of her hair, and she's like, it's like a disheveled bob. And it's like, Whoa, oh, holy shit, it's Joan Jett. So the fact that, because that happens to a lot of people. When someone really famous, I remember seeing an interview Tavis Smiley gave where he talked about the first time Prince called him. And um, he didn't think it was really Prince. And then, uh, you know, kind of squaring that out in terms of, and I, and I get that. I get that. When someone, you know, even Shaka Khan, I remember, see, I know all these weird stories because I have a good memory of uh Shaka Khan talking about the first time she met met Prince and he called her and she thought it was Larry Graham you know the musician Larry Graham and it wasn't because he had that deep voice and it was um Prince you know at that time Prince was the youngest producer in Warner Brother Records history because at first they wouldn't let him produce himself because I mean the multi-instrumentalist uh, you know, singer, songwriter. So yeah. Um, but back to Joan Jett. I mean, oh my God. There's a really great documentary on Joan Jett. You can also stream that. <sighs> yeah, I, I could talk about these artists until the cows come home. Okay. Um, but for me, Joan Jett. You know, if you don't like her, why? Say to yourself, why don't you like her? Do you not like her voice? Do you not like her musical choices? I mean, in terms of an artist, she's really got, she's got that pulse. I've, I've never seen anybody who knows the full history and iconography of rock and roll like she does. She is a student of rock and roll and um, really just gives it her all. As a performer, I mean, think about it. She is 60 something years old um, and she's still out there doing it. And she does. 
and 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 she has a way about her where it's still it's still fun. There's there's because that's the thing about rock and roll. It's about youthful youthfulness, being young at heart. <coughs> so to to hear her still perform is just astounding. So yeah, if you don't like Joan yet, I want you to say to yourself, why? Why don't I like her? Oh, if, if she's not your cup of tea, all right, I understand. Motley Crue are not my cup of tea. They really aren't. Um, same with Poison. Now, I like Def Leppard, but I love Joan Jett, okay? And um, the artists that she's inspired throughout the years, male and female, okay? And so her induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015, that was a long time coming. In fact, in 2014, when she performed with Nirvana, even Chris Novoselic was like, and now a woman who I'm surprised is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but she should be, Joan Jett. And boom, she laid right into Smells Like Teen Spirit with the lights out, it's less dangerous. Come on. I can still hear her in my ear right now singing that song and she did it so well and you know the surviving members of Nirvana including Nirvana's uh, Kurt Cobain's family said he would have been proud of that that these female artists that he absolutely loved are performing his songs I would have liked to have seen Kathleen Hanna up there I am I am such a fan of Kathleen Kathleen Hanna has a certain quality to her voice and um, I've always I've always enjoyed it. I mean, there there in the documentary it opens with her doing spoken word, and she's like, "It was the middle of the night in my house. It was the middle," and she's just going in, and her fearlessness as an artist, you know, because she was going to college and and she was stripping so that they could fund, you know, to travel throughout the country to perform as Bikini Kill. And those those are the artists that I like are the ones who can't play their instruments and they learn over time. I mean, you look at the big rock stars that you two are. They couldn't. They were they were as bad as your your worst wedding band. They talked about that and how they really learned fine tune their sound and hone their sound. And the same could be said about Joan Jett. If you look at those earlier songs with the Runaways, Cherry Bomb, you know, and um, then you you that that solo career that just boom okay whenever i hear joan jett's voice it is just that 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 is a life force i am i am just so in awe of her as an artist so here we are today is her birthday you can watch these documentaries there's the joan jett documentary there is the kathleen hannah documentary and there is festival express as well as a documentary on Buddy Guy. So you can find those. Just Google them. You know, documentary. <laughs> um, I was thinking of Documentary Now. That's such a funny show on IFC. You could watch that too. And this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. So as always, unpleasant dreams.